The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Well, good morning, New Song Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Happy uh, Super Bowl Sunday to you. And uh, yeah, that enthusiasm there, that's kind of seems to be the case here. I heard somebody say that this Super Bowl is, is the two teams are one team that none of us want to be in the Super Bowl versus the other team that no one thinks deserves to be in the Super Bowl. So yeah, but anyways, we'll enjoy it though because we get to eat wings and we get to see funny commercials, so it'll be a good time. Hey, I'm Josh. I'm the pastor of New Song. If you're new to New Song, we're so glad that you're here. Uh, after the service is over, me and my wife, Sarah, will be out in the lobby, and we'd love to meet you, so make sure you stop by and say hi to us. And uh, we're beginning a brand new series today, and by the way, uh, you, I think you got these when you came in, these little flyers that talk about the new app. I want to encourage you to download the app. In fact, you can follow along with me. Uh, the notes that I'm going to be giving this morning, you can follow along with me in the app. It's a great resource for you to stay connected with what's going on at New Song. But then also, uh, in this series, I'm really excited about this, this series that we're, we're doing called Define the Relationship, and we actually have some of these invites out in the lobby, and I want to encourage you to, to grab some of these and, uh, and take them with you, and, and to this week, invite somebody to church, to come to church with you. Uh, this series, especially next week, I, I can tell you this, next week is going to be a very evangelistic service, and, and when I say that, here's what I mean. I think someone who doesn't have a relationship with God or doesn't know God maybe the right way, uh, next week's going to be a great service for them to come to because I'm going to be defining the relationship that we have with God and talking about what that can really look like and, and moving beyond religion, moving beyond you know having this historical figure idea of what God is, really stepping into relationship the right way. And so I want to encourage you to, to reach out to some people. You know some people that are lost. I'm sure you do. You know some people that are away from God, make an investment this week in them. Make an eternal investment. Reach out to them. Invite them. Do what you got to do. Take them to lunch after church. Whatever you got to do, but let's get them here. I really believe God's going to do something incredible uh, throughout this entire series. Let me just encourage you. This series, I believe, is going to be great for all of us. And, and the reason I believe that is because relationships are a big deal, aren't they? Yes. Relationships are huge. In fact, most of the problems that we deal with in life I know most of the problems that we deal with in church life, counseling issues, whatever those may be, most of those, if you really boil them down, they come down to relationship issues. Relationships are a big deal. And so we're going to jump right into this this morning. I think there's three major factors that cause us to have, a pro to have problems when it comes to relationships. Here's the first one. Relationships involve people. <laughs> Turn to the person beside you and say, relationships involve you. They involve people. Like we all understand that if someone has a relationship with, with something that's not a, a real person, like a, like a, like a people, it's kind of weird, right? Like the guy who has a relationship with his car, it's kind of weird. Or the person that's really into their dog, we love you, but hey, come on now, calm down, calm down. Or they have a relationship with their phone, just look straight ahead, no one will know it's you, just look straight ahead. But that's, that's not normal, right? Like relationships involve people. And here's the problem with that. Uh, people aren't perfect. Turn to that other person and tell them, you ain't perfect. Now look back at him who just told you that and you say, you ain't perfect either, sucker. <laughs> We're not perfect. 
And we're all raised in different homes. We have different upbringings. We're raised in different cities, different cultures, maybe different countries. And, and this stuff affects us in relationships. And then you combine that with the fact that people can be moody and cranky. And people can take jokes too far. And people can think stuff's funny that you don't think's funny. And I can make you mad, right? And then we have this stuff that happens in relationships. And it affects how we enter into future relationships. So people are a part of relationships and, and people can affect our relationships. They can be a problem in relationships. Another big issue with relationships, the problem that we face is that we have an enemy in our relationships. Satan is the enemy of relationships. When God created you, he created you to be in relationship. He, he designed you. In fact, if we go back to the beginning in Genesis, we see God creating Adam and setting him in the perfect place, the Garden of Eden, and he has a perfect relationship with God. There's no sin in the world, and God looks down at him and says, this isn't good. Why is it not good? Because he's not connecting with somebody else, and so God creates a, a helpmate or helpmeet for him, someone like him that he can go through life with. And listen, you at your best were designed to be connected with other people and with God. That's you at your best. And so the enemy knows that. And since he hates you, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, he's going to do everything he can to try to get in between you and the relationships of your life, and he's going to interpret you to other people and other people to you, and he's going to lie to you, and he's going to deceive you, and he's going to try to mess up your relationships so he can keep you from the godly relationships that God wants you to be walking in. Because if he can isolate you, he can do a lot of damage to you. So another big problem we face in relationships is we have an enemy to relationships. Here's the third problem in relationships is we receive almost no training when it comes to relationships. Like you think about it. Most of you, if, you, if you're old enough to drive a car, you receive more training and coaching and, and to drive a car than you ever did to enter into a relationship. Like we all understand, like when a kid goes from 15 to 16 year old to being a 16 year old, we don't walk up to him and hand him the keys to a semi truck and say, here you go, have fun, try not to go too fast. Why? Because we know like a person who doesn't know how to operate a semi truck can do a lot of damage to themselves and to other people if they get in that thing and start driving down the road. Listen, the same way, your, your relationships have a ton of potential and a lot of potential for good, but also a lot of potential for bad if you don't know how to walk in them the right way. And so is it any wonder that we find a lot of people today and they're wrecked along the side of the road and damage has been done to them, damage has been done to other people because they enter into relationships with no training, no coaching, no idea of what it's really supposed to be about. And so this series is really, we wanna spend this month of February, you know, Valentine's Day's coming up, guys. Just reminding you of that so you're aware. And no matter what she says, she wants something for Valentine's Day. She's lying to you if she says she doesn't want something. Can I get an amen, women? Amen. Right? They, you hear your wife, amen there. Okay, you heard that. Do something. But it's a month where we're looking at our relationships. And we want to look at our, the relationships of our life and bring some definition to those. And and what I'm going to invite you to do over the next several weeks is, is to make some adjustments, to, to come into alignment with what the Word of God has to say when it comes to your relationships. And, and I'll just tell you up front, some of this may not feel comfortable. Some of it may not always feel fun. Some of it may mean you have to change some of your mindset. But, but I believe if you'll do these things, if you'll, you'll come into alignment with the Word of God and make the adjustments necessary, 
You can have the best relationships of your life. And, and listen, if you have great relationships, you're going to have a great life. Now, let, me, let me try to illustrate this with, with uh, making a confession to you this morning. Me and Sarah have been married for almost 16 years now. And for the first 15 years of our marriage, we never had a new mattress. Yeah. When we got married, we just kind of took my mattress that I, went, I grew up in high school on, which... <laughs> You know what I think is gross? The Patriots in the Super Bowl. Okay. Now, so we had this, this mattress that we, got, we brought into our marriage, and that was fine. And then it got to a point where it was gross. Yeah, and it was time to move on. And uh, we went to get a new mattress, and we discovered that mattresses are expensive. And so we ended up just kind of getting another mattress from Sarah's sister that was like in an attic. And I don't know how I talked her into doing this, but she did. And and, uh, and I, I didn't want to spend the money on it. It's funny because now I look back on it. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I like, when I'm going to spend like big money, I like to get stuff that I can enjoy, like a TV. And then it hit me one day, like I spend most of my life sleeping on this bed. And so that, that hit me. Plus this other thing hit me. Uh, the older I got, like when we first got married, it was not that big a deal. You can basically sleep on nails and you'll be fine. But the older you get the more I would wake up feeling like a bear had attacked me in the night. Like my back hurts and my neck hurts. And last year I started kind of dropping some hints to Sarah like, we need a mattress. And so she got me a mattress for Father's Day slash anniversary gift last year. She went out and bought the purple mattress. Any purple mattress owners in here this morning? Yes. We got a purple mattress. And and, uh, so it's this like, there's a bunch of scientific mumbo jumbo. It's made of uh, poly, some kind of weird fiber, and it has this like, <laughs> has this grid system, so it allows air to flow through it, so you stay cool, and it, it you know moves with you, know, it does all this stuff. My favorite thing about it is when they delivered it, it came like a big burrito, and you, it's like this big burrito, and you bring it into your house, and you cut it open, and it just grows. It reminded me, remember those little pills you'd get as a kid, and you'd put them in water. And you'd walk away and you'd come back 30 minutes later and they were in the little shape, a little dinosaur shaped sponges. Magic. It was like that. And so we get this mattress and we set it up and we're all excited about it and we sleep on it that first night and, you know, we slept pretty good. It was, it was cool. And then the next night, we, we didn't sleep so good. Not a real good night's sleep, second night. And the third night, not a real good night's sleep, the third night. And the fourth night, same thing, to the point that like the fourth night, if you're, if you're married, you've probably experienced this before where like both of you aren't sleeping and you find yourself like going to the other person going, what's the deal? Like, I'm not, are you awake right now? I'm awake and, and we're, we're kind of going, did we get a dud? Like, what's wrong with this thing? And so Sarah's a researcher. So she, she got online the next day and started researching like what was the deal and basically discovered that these mattresses have what's called an adjustment period. And the, the adjustment period is based on the kind of mattresses that you've been sleeping on. And so what we discovered is the mattresses we had been sleeping on were so bad that our new mattress is having to work like a chiropractor to adjust us and fix us from all the bad sleep we've had. And so they said that with that is going to be a little bit of pain. There's going to be some, some realignment taking place, almost like a chiropractor's working on you is what it said. But it said, after about a week or so, you're going to start sleeping good. And it was true. After about a week, we started sleeping really good. And here it is a year later, and I'm getting the best sleep of my life. Like I never wake up with back pain 
or neck pain, and this is not an infomercial for the purple mattress. <laughs> the point of this is, I believe that what, what we experience is what you are going to experience in this series. That there's some adjustments that need to take place. There's some things that need to be realigned, and in some of that, it may feel a little uncomfortable. It may not always feel good to you, but I believe that if you'll make the adjustments, the best life you've ever experienced, the best relationships you've ever experienced is, is available to you. And so know this this morning, this series is for everybody. Whether you're married this morning, whether you're in a very committed relationship, engaged, whether you're in a serious relationship, whether you're divorced, single, whether you're a junior high, high school, college student, wherever you find yourself today, this series is for you because we all have relationships, don't we? And the principles that we're going to talk about don't just apply to romantic relationships, they apply to, to all of our relationships. And we need to understand how to walk in these relationships. And maybe you're here today and, and you would look and say, man, i got some relationships and there's just no hope for these. Well, there's always hope. And here's why, because there's always hope in Jesus. Now, with that said, let me also make a statement. This is very important. There are three major issues that can be problems in relationships they're, they're the A words of relationships. They are uh, abandonment, abuse, and adultery. And if you find yourself in one of those situations, uh, you, you need to definitely seek some counsel and seek some direction. But in particular, let me talk about abuse. If you find yourself in a relationship where abuse is taking place, verbal, physical, sexual, abuse taking place, with someone in this relationship, with your children, with anybody, let me just tell you something, that is not okay. You hear me? I'm not, I'm not gonna get up here and tell you that God has called you to continue to allow yourself to sit under that. That's not God's plan for your life. That person is wrong, and, and maybe there needs to be a separation, maybe even permanent separation. My invitation to you is to come to us. Let us know. Let somebody know. Talk to somebody. Listen, a lot of people who find themselves in these situations, they, they, they take on this idea that it's their fault in some way. It's not your fault. You don't deserve that. You don't need abuse. And your children, listen, there is damage that's being done if you're allowing that to happen under your watch. That is a big, big deal. Now, I'm making a strong point here because I really want you to hear this. That is not okay and so please reach out to New Song Church, contact us, we'd love to counsel you, give you direction, help you if you need help, all right? But there is hope for you relationally, I believe that. In fact, look at this verse with me, this is Zephaniah 3, verses 9 and 10, this is God talking to his people, he says, in the end, I will turn things around for the people, I love that. God can turn things around. Now look at, look at kind of what it speaks to here, I'll give them a language undistorted, unpolluted, words to address God in worship and united to serve me with their shoulders to the wheel. It's talking about, it's talking about the word of God here. It's talking about the, a spirit-empowered, Holy Spirit-empowered life that if you, God can turn things around if you'll turn to his word, if you'll allow the, the spirit of God, the new spirit he's created in you to, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit, he can start to turn things around. Look what it goes on to say here. It says, they'll come praying with offerings for worship, no longer ashamed of all those acts of rebellion. God wants to turn your life around. Doesn't matter what mistakes you've made in the past, he can turn your life around. He can turn your relationships around. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna define the relationships. 
Now, for those of you who don't know, define the relationships is kind of a kind of a popular term that young people will use these days. They say that they're they're trying to DTR to define the relationship. So here's kind of what this looks like. Like maybe when I was dating Sarah and someone comes up to me and they say, So Josh, like what's going on with you and Sarah? I've noticed you guys are hanging out a lot. Are you guys a couple? Are you what, what's going on there? If, if I wasn't really sure, and we've all found ourselves in that place before, men, like you're gonna go, I don't know what's going on. I would say, I don't really know, but I'm, I'm planning on taking her out tonight and I'm gonna, I'm gonna do a little DTRing. We're gonna define the relationship. And this is important because, listen, every relationship needs healthy definition. Healthy definition helps you understand where you're going, what this is about, what, what's, what's actually taking place here. And so one of the issues that takes place in relationships that where, we, where sometimes we, we get messed up is we don't really have a healthy definition to the goal of relationships. We don't know what the real goal is for our relationships. And, and so we, can, we have what, what the Bible refers to as a lack of knowledge. And that lack of knowledge is a hindrance to our relationships. The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6 that my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. And some of us are being destroyed relationally because we don't, we don't have a healthy understanding of what the goal is of relationships. And here's what happens. When you don't know what the real goal is, you make assumptions. And you begin to assume what maybe a relationship is all about. And, the, and our assumptions are culturally, uh, we make these cultural assumptions based on what's going on in the world around us. And there's one cultural assumption that we, we tend to make when it comes to relationships that I think is one of the, the great root causes of why so many people have a problem when it comes to relationships. Now, before I tell you what that is, let me talk to you for just a second about cultural assumptions. Uh, if you take a note, write this down. Your assumptions affect your decisions. Your assumptions affect your decisions. The things you assume about life affect the decisions you make in life. And so what happens is we, we grow up in this world and we have these assumptions that we make based on the homes that we live in, the cities that we live in, the families that we grow up with, the parents that we have, the countries that we live in. And we all form these different assumptions about life and what life is all about. And, and these are culturally shaped and we don't even question them. We just kind of live under them and just kind of go through life based on these. Like, let me, let me give you a great example of this, okay? Let's, let's imagine, imagine, put yourself in these shoes today. Imagine that I invite you over to have dinner with me and Sarah at our house. So put, wherever you are in life, put yourself in, in there. If you're married, you're gonna bring your spouse to have dinner with me and Sarah. If you're dating, you're gonna bring your date. If you're younger here, you're gonna bring a friend. Where, just put yourself in those shoes, okay? So you come to my house, you ring the doorbell, and I come to the door and I open up the door. And when I open the door, the smell of, of food just hits you. And it smells really good. It's not like that weird smell of food. It's like a good smell, okay? It smells really good. So you're walking in the house and you're going, oh man, it smells phenomenal. Like, what are we having for dinner? And I look at you and I say, we're having horse. How many of you in that moment are gonna start going, I think these guys are starting a cult. Like, you're gonna be freaked out a little bit because we don't eat horse, Right? We don't eat horse. <laughs> and so you're going to be trying to figure out how to get yourself out from under this. But here's my question, okay? Hear me out. Why don't you eat horse? Why don't we eat horse? Well, okay, so let's talk about that a little bit. And what if I told you that people in Iceland eat horse? That's actually a delicacy. 
in, in Italy and that uh, people in, in China eat horse? What if I told you that, that doctors recommend you eat some horse? In fact, you, you can put that up now, that article. There's a lot of different articles I read about this. But look, and the new health food is horse. And, and so this article goes on to talk about the, you know, the benefits of eating some horse. Let me, let me read you a little bit of this. A couple of portions of horse a week. <laughs> oh, man. A couple of portions of horse a week lower cholesterol and boost blood iron levels. Researchers say that horse meat is very high in iron with up to half of the daily recommended intake and very low in saturated fats, which are associated with high cholesterol. Horse has some of the, the health-boosting qualities that have been associated with fish, Fish, we all know that's a healthy food to eat. And it has up to 40% fewer calories and more protein than other meats. She say, Pastor Josh, I don't care. I'm not eating horse. Like, this ain't Stillwater, Oklahoma. We ain't eating horse. Now here, now listen, hear me out, hear me out. Hear me out. Like, I'm not trying to get you to eat horse, okay? Like, this is not a, this is not a cult. And uh, we're not coming out of the fast, and I've got this new idea. Like, we're all going to be horse eaters. No, no, no. My point is this. Like, we don't even know why we don't want to eat horse. Like, there's a lot of things that are apparently good about horse meat, and, but we just, we ain't. It's funny, I was talking to Sarah about this this week, and she was just like, No. No, and some of you feel that way. You don't even know why. We don't know why. It's a cultural assumption. Imagine if I told you this too. We're gonna have some horse. It's gonna be great. Got some horse burgers grilling up. But before that, we've got some jalapeno cat poppers that we're gonna enjoy. <laughs> That's even worse. Cat, and yet people in other countries eat cat. I, I, we were uh, at a meeting this week and we're talking to a lady and she was telling us that she was uh, in a foreign country and had ate at this restaurant and after she was done eating, she drove, they drove around the back of the place and there was all these dogs hanging up and they discovered that they had just ate dog. And she was like totally grossed out by that as I am as well because we don't, like, we don't eat dog, we don't eat cat, we don't eat horse. Here's my point. These are, these are really, these are cultural assumptions that we, there's just something in us that says that's not how it's supposed to be. And we think it's supposed to be a certain way. And so we live our life based on how we think it's supposed to be. Okay, so, so here's a cultural assumption that we have when it comes to our relationships that a lot of us have. And we don't even really recognize it, but here it is. We assume that our relationships are about making us happy. We assume that the goal of relationships is that my relationship should make me happy. Now, I'm not saying that your relationship should make you unhappy, Okay. There should be some happiness and some joy and some pleasure that comes from, from being a relationship. But here's the problem. A lot of us enter into relationships and, and we hold our happiness as the high standard of what this relationship should be about. And so what, that's what we're pursuing. And, I, and you know, most relationships, when we enter into them, we start off this way. And so I kind of see why it's that way. You know, there's a, there's a period when you first start dating someone, especially in a romantic relationship, and you're really hitting it off, where there's this period called the infatuation period. You know that? You guys remember that? If you're, you're married, hopefully you had that. <laughs> but you, you start off with this, and that's the period where, like, no one wants to hang up the phone. No, you hang up first. No, you hang up first. Let's just, let's just breathe on the phone. 
Some of you breathed on the phone. Don't act like you didn't breathe on the phone. (laughs) Who would be bold enough to admit I breathed on the phone? There you go. Some of you are liars. You breathed on the phone. Not like heavy breathing. Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> oh man, second service. Uh, but we, we have this period. In fact, it was amazing as psychologists say that there's dopamine released in your brain that's on par, get this, with smoking crack cocaine. Like you're, you're, on, you're on drugs when you first start dating somebody. In fact, they, they call this period, it's the cocaine rush phase. This is what psychologists say. It says the cocaine rush phase is the initial period of intense, highly pleasurable bonding based on the mutual fantasy that you and the other person are ideally matched and perfectly suited for each other. So when you first enter in this relationship, like there's this, this stuff going on and it's like a drug high and you're feeling good and... And then you mix that with the culture that we live in today where, you know, happiness is of such great value in the culture that we live in today. So you take those two things and we begin to believe that this is what my relationship is all about. It's about my happiness. But there's a lot of problems that come when you hold your happiness as the highest value of your relationship. Here's one. Uh, Number one is this, your, your happiness is a moving target. What makes you happy today may not make you happy tomorrow. In fact, it's probably not going to. I remember when I was 12 years old, the thing that would, would make me the happiest in the world was to get a Dallas Cowboys starter jacket. Anybody remember starter jackets? It was this pullover and it was bad to the bone and I was gonna wear that sucker with my Zubaz pants and man, it was gonna bring me happiness and joy. I would not be caught dead in that thing today. And yet at that point in my life, some of you would, but not me, and at that point in my life, it was there, there, were, there were video game systems that at one point in my life I really wanted until the new one came out, you know? And my point is, like, what makes you happy in your 20s changes, in your 30s changes, in your 40s? Like, what makes you happy one day shifts? It, I mean, it shifts from moment to moment. So, so think about that. If your happiness is a moving target that you can't even pin down, how can you hold somebody else to a standard to pin that down for you? And how can we ever expect to live up to somebody else's standard of what happiness is supposed to be? That's crazy. No normal person can live up to anybody else's standard of happiness. And so this is a big problem. If we're chasing after that, if that's the center of the target of what we're going after, it's going to lead to a lot of problems. Here's a second problem. Your happiness is selfish. Not shellfish, selfish. It's selfish. In fact, people say that really happiness is about uh, drive reduction. So you have these drives, these desires that you have. And really, if you pursue happiness, what you're pursuing is relief for those drives. So if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm thirsty, I drink. If I'm sleepy, I sleep. If, if If I want sexual encounters, then I find those however I can. That to me sounds like selfishness. Whatever I want. That's the highest value of my life, my happiness. It's selfish. And it doesn't consider what what that does for other people, how that affects other people. And this is the culture that we live in. Listen, we live in a selfish world. Even people who act like they're after some big cause, a lot of them are just selfish. And in the world we live in today, the individual person's happiness is held to the highest value, the highest standard in the culture that we live in. And let me just tell you, when that's the pursuit of your life, your happiness, that selfish mentality, it's going to lead to a lot of destruction. 
If you go through life and you're all about, I'm gonna smoke what I wanna smoke and I'm gonna drink what I wanna drink and I'm gonna eat what I wanna eat, I'm gonna have sex with whoever I wanna have sex with, let me just tell you, if you really think about it, so much of the destruction and the terrible stuff we see in the world is based on that mentality. I think of affairs, broken marriages, pornography, abortion, cancer, drunk driving, AIDS, drug addiction, obesity, homosexuality, child molestation, murder. All of those things are byproducts of saying, I'm gonna pursue happiness in, in any way I can, and it doesn't matter. If anybody gets in my way, then, I'm gonna, then they have to be stopped. I want my happiness. And here's what you do. When you, when you take that approach, you become your own little God. And you are a very poor God. And it's sinful. And, and the, the Bible says that the wages of sin or the product of sin, the byproduct of sin is death. And so that's why we see all this stuff. Because we're just chasing after our happiness. We're chasing after whatever makes me comfortable. Whatever may, the problem is anytime you're living that way, that's gonna interfere with somebody else's life. And damage is gonna be done. And this is what we see in the world today because our happiness is selfish. Here's the third problem with this pursuit, this happiness being the greatest value of your life. Your happiness isn't love. It isn't love. Because if you know anything about love, if you've been in a relationship where love is involved, you're gonna discover that loving someone means that you're gonna have to do some stuff sometimes that doesn't make you happy. That's just part of it. See, happiness, the pursuit of happiness is about getting something. Love is about giving something. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter five. If you wanna turn there with me, Ephesians chapter five, he gives, us kind of a, he gives us kind of an outline for what our relationships should look like, for the kind of relationships God's called us to walk in and the formula for how we walk in those. Look at this with me. Ephesians five verse one, he says, follow God's example. So this is God's example of how, to, how our relationships should work. Therefore, as dearly loved children... Look at this, and walk in the way of love. Ready to say the way of love. love. We're to walk in the way of love. That's how we're supposed to be in relationships. And then he gives us an example, just as Christ loved. Look at the example that Jesus gave to us for this way of love. And gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering, a sacrifice to God. So we're to walk in love in relationships and we're to model the love we walk in in, in this God-centered kind of way, and that way is based on, notice those words, he, he gave himself up. He was an offering. He was a sacrifice. And, and the problem with, with when your happiness is at the center of the goal of what you're doing is that, like, that, that totally goes against that. Those ideas of sacrificing and giving up of yourself, like, that doesn't really fall in line with that idea of happiness, he goes on to say in verse 21, and, and he's talking to married couples here, but, but really, this can apply to anybody. And, and if you're here this morning, listen, and you're a young person, take this to heart. You can apply this to any relationship you find yourself in. If you're, if you're a young student in here this morning, you can apply this to your approach to your parents. If you're, if you're in sports, you can apply this to your coaches. You can apply this to your job. It's, this applies all over the place. He says this, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Submit. Now submit, man, that's a word we don't really like. Like that's a word that sounds old-fashioned. It sounds like submit. That's like, you know, what the, in, in the old TV shows when people slept in two different beds, that's, that's submit. Like some men, we know that word, women's to submit. 
We don't know the rest of the chapter, but we know that part. Ooh, gotcha. But we're to submit. We're, we're to submit to one another. It's not a dirty word. It's actually a beautiful word. The word submit here means this. It means a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden. Let me just say something here. <laughs> who wouldn't want that in a relationship? Like, who wouldn't want that? Like, wouldn't you, if you're married, don't you want your spouse to have a voluntary attitude of giving in, cooperating, assuming responsibility, and carrying a burden? This is like goals right here. Like, if, you, if you're not married, you're looking for somebody, you find somebody that ticks all these boxes, marry that person immediately. <laughs> so, so, how do we get here? Let me tell you how we get here. Ready? You go first. You go first. You, this is, this is godly love. This is what it looks like. And God's called you to lead with it. He's called you to lead with this. But Pastor Josh, what if they don't, what if they don't, you know, reciprocate? Put it back up there, guys. What, what if they don't, what if they don't have a voluntary attitude of giving in? What if I do that and they don't? What if, what if I cooperate, but they don't? What, what if I assume responsibility and carry the burden, but they, but they don't, they don't do that too? And, and what we do is we, we, we kind of live that way thinking, well, I, I'm not going to do this unless they do. And we go through life relationally playing this game of chicken with the, with the, our, the people we're in life with because we kind of say, well, if you move, I'll move. If you give, I'll give. If you submit, I'll submit. But the heart of God that he's calling us to love from is a heart that says, I'll go first. In fact, this is how God showed it to me this week. Put that up there, guys. The heart of love that God wants from you for others is based on the heart of love that God has displayed for you through Jesus. I'm gonna say it again. The heart of love that God wants from you for others is based on the heart of love that God has displayed for you through Jesus. And what's the heart that he displayed through Jesus? I'll go first. Jesus went first. You know, what, what separates Christianity and our relationship with God from all the other religions that, that exist out there. You know, there's, there's other religions that are similar to Christianity in some ways. They have some, the same moral rules and standards and things like that. But what separates the two is in our walk with God, only in, only in Christianity we find that, that God became one of us and did what he's asking us to do before he invited us to do it. Jesus invites you, but he made the first move. In fact, the Bible says this in, in Romans 5 verse 8. It says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. In this. This is how he demonstrated his love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When you were at your worst, Jesus was at his best. When you were at your worst, Jesus gave his best. And what the cross tells us is that Jesus wanted a relationship with you so bad. God wanted a relationship with you so bad that he was willing to go first and give his best and serve you to the point of death long before you ever took a step in his direction. Now, here's what's beautiful about this whole thing, okay? So the Bible says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. You become new when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. And one of the things that takes place is you receive a new spirit. Your spirit is born again. And what God desires for you is that you would now live from your born-again spirit. That you would not live based on the cultural assumptions of the world, but you would live based on the word through your spirit. And now because of Jesus, you can be empowered to do what he's asking you to do. 
You can be empowered to love first because he loved you first. In fact, the Bible says this in 1 John 4, 19. We love because, everybody say because. Because Because he first loved us. That verse is not just saying we love God because he first loved us. We love everybody because he first loved us. We love people who don't deserve it. Why? Because God loved you when you didn't deserve it. We love people who, who, who we forgive those that, that, that didn't ask for forgiveness before because he forgave us before we asked for forgiveness. We follow his example and we're empowered to follow his example when we, when we choose his way. You make the choice to follow and lead with love like Jesus did and he'll empower you to do that very thing. And here's what's amazing. When you start to do this, see, when you're pursuing happiness, you're never gonna be happy. If you make the goal of your life to to have happiness, you're never gonna be happy. But if you make the goal of your life to walk in this God kind of love, you'll experience happiness. You'll experience joy. You'll experience peace. And you'll be empowered to love others the way Jesus loved you. My friends, happiness is not the goal. It's not the goal. It's actually a result. It's a byproduct of, of our relationship with God. And what God asks you to do, see here, okay, let me define, let me define this for you, right? Let me define the relationship. Let me define the goal of relationship. Here it is, that the goal of relationships is the God kind of love. That's the goal. To put, to put love before happiness, that's the goal. And if we do that, then we're empowered to experience that. To experience the love that God has for us. The goal of relationships is the God kind of love. So, so, so let me give you some homework today, all right? You guys ready for some homework? Are, are you sure? I don't, okay, cool. All right, so here's your homework, all right? Here's what I'm inviting you to do this week. I'm asking you to define what putting love first looks like in your relationships. To take a moment this week and sit down and, and write, write this out and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and define What does it look like to let love lead in my relationship with my spouse? What does it look like to let love lead in my relationship with my children? Maybe your children are are under your roof right now and they're young. What does that look like? Maybe your children are away from you and maybe they're away from God. What does that look like? What does it look like in, in friendship relationships? What does it look like to that person who's hurt you in the past? Like, what, is, what does this look like? Define what this looks like for you. And then listen, once God helps you see this, then here's what you do. Make adjustments. Make adjustments. Make the adjustments necessary. Come into alignment, into agreement with the word of God. It may not always feel comfortable. Maybe it feels forced. Maybe it means that you're gonna have to, to step out there in faith and do something not knowing how they're gonna respond. But we can do this because Jesus did this for us. And we're empowered by his spirit to do so. I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. And to take a moment and just ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? God, what are you saying to me today in this message? This is not a time to check out. This is not a time to start collecting your stuff. This is is really a time to allow God to speak directly to the specifics of your life. Lord, what are you saying to me in this message today? What needs to change? Where do I need to make the adjustments? And then just just commit. I'm gonna make those adjustments. 
I'm going to align myself with what you're saying here. I'm going to love like you love me. As I was praying about today, I really felt like the Lord kind of dropped something in my heart for you. And this is what it was. Um, he said this. He says, you can have it all. Now think about this. That, that's almost like a too good to be true concept. Like that, you can have it all. Like that's when we're, we're, you know, we can't sleep and we turn on the TV at two o'clock in the morning and there's some guy talking about his mansion and his yacht and all this stuff. And he, he got all this from working from the, the comfort of his own home. And we watch that and we're like, yeah, right, whatever. But I believe that God is saying to you today, you can have it all. But, but here's, here's, what, here's what this looks like. In order for you to have it all, you have to go to God with a heart that says, God, you can have it all. You can have all of me. God, I give you my whole life. I give you my relationships. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you my life. I surrender myself fully to you. And, and through that act of obedience, through that act of submission to the Lord, he's able to, to come in and start changing you and, and working in you and building the life that he's called you to walk in. Listen, the life God's called you to is the best version of your life. It's far better than any version you can come up with yourself because he made you. He knows you better than you know you. And so if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God, like that's where it has to start. It's great to have these relationships and work these principles. So let me just tell you, if you work all these principles, but you don't know God yourself, you, you can't be empowered to walk this out. So the first step in all of this is you got to go turn to the Lord and say, God, you can have it all. I give you my life. I surrender to you. I want to make you my relationship goal. I want to define my relationship in a greater way with you. So maybe you're here today and and you don't know God like you know you should, or maybe you have at one point, but right now you're away from God and you know that your relationship's not where it should be. I want to invite you to take a step today into real relationship with Jesus Christ. Not like, a, not like an information ship, like where you know about him as a historical figure or like a religion, but actually really coming to know God. And, and not like, you know, maybe you've been in a church service where you raised your hand, but then you just went about your business just the way you normally do. I'm talking about really submitting your life and giving your life to Jesus Christ because he gave his life for you. So if that's you today and you want to take that step of faith and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to pray this prayer with me. And church, since we're all in agreement with this this morning, let's all, let's all pray this prayer together. Say, Father God, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for my sins. I confess that I am a sinner. I need a savior. And I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead so that I could be raised to new life in you. So Lord, I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my present. I give you my future. I give you my all. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from New Song Church. If you have a prayer need or would like more information about New Song, you can email info at newsongpeople.com. If you would like to partner with New Song through giving, go to www.newsongpeople.com forward slash give. And if you want to stay connected to New Song, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching for New Song People.